When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello everyone. Joining us on today's podcast is a rising star, a young journalist with Rainer in Racing, Careers in Racing and Silks Magazine. Hello, Sam Martin. Hello, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's very exciting. Well, I thought it was time I interviewed you as you'd been on the paddock and the pavilion, I think, three times. You were on Cheltenham Memories with our friend Richard Pittman. Mm -hmm. You were then on Richard's 80th birthday podcast and on Horsepower. You did a couple of interviews for me with Robert Bathurst, the actor, and Tanya Kindersley. Yes, that was a brilliant opportunity. So thank you very much for that. Um, interviewing Robert was an incredible experience. He was a very nice man, very passionate racing fan. Um, he was one of those people that I didn't actually know until we started working on the Horsepower Project, was actually so into racing. Um, and it's always nice when you discover that about a person, isn't it? I love it. I loved him in Downton Abbey. So um, it, I was trying not to fangirl, I will admit. <laughs> Well, talking of racing, uh, are you getting excited? I know we're, uh, say, just less than two weeks away from Cheltenham. This podcast will be going out on the 12th. But are you excited about the prospect of the festival? I am so excited. I kind of count down the weeks for a very long time beforehand. Everything kind of revolves around Cheltenham a bit for me. Um, I've always, since I was a very small child, looked forward to it and um, over the last few years, I've been involved in preview nights and that kind of thing. Um, a lot of previews, anti-post tipping, that kind of thing. Um, and it's, it just, it, you know, it whets the appetite for the racing itself. And I'm going on Tuesday this year. It'll be the second time I've been on the Tuesday. Um, and I think I've got the best day. So I am very much looking forward to it. You've got time off from school. Yes. So I have a very understanding post 16 department and head teacher. Um, they know that I am a racing journalist and they're, um, they're very, very, very supportive of that. And my head teacher 
is a very avid racing fan so they've had they've authorized the absence as work experience because i uh, i'll be producing content and that kind of thing on my social media uh, about the day and it's just nice to be there and be able to report on that kind of thing you know honeysuckle's last race constitution hill um obviously john bond versus el fabriolo so it's um gonna be a really good day going back to when you first got interested in horse racing how did that happen well, that happened because I used to go and visit my granddad every Saturday. We'd have lunch with my granny and then um, he'd pop the racing on in the afternoon. And I'd kind of be playing like um, Uno was always one of my granny's favourite. I'd be playing Uno and then kind of watching the racing at the same time um, on the TV that my granddad was watching because he always had the chair right next to the TV. And then I'd kind of follow uh, Ryan Moore's horses in the race or AP McCoy if it was over jumps. And then um, eventually my granddad got poorly um, and he got dementia and he kind of struggled with, you know, conversations and speech and his movement and that kind of thing. Luckily, he um, had, not really luckily, but he had vascular dementia. So he never actually forgot who we were. And you could always guarantee he could remember, you know, his love for horse racing. And so if we put it on, it always kind of, it'd kind of be back to his old self. And I knew if I could, even if he was having a bad day, if I'd tell him something about the racing, he could kind of, I think he'd always, it'd always make him smile. And I think the reason why I kind of pitch racing so enthusiastically is because making that kind of effort was always something I did with Grandan and I knew it got a good response. So I suppose that's why I'm so kind of overtly enthusiastic about it all because it, it just kind of was infectious to him. <laughs> You mentioned Ryan Moore. Who were your racing heroes when you were growing up? Oh, you're only 18 now, so you're not, you know, you're still growing <laughs> up. You're still so young now. Yeah, so it was always Ryan Moore that I liked to follow. I think I did like Frankie Vittori at first, and I remember finding out about one of his, um, I think he got banned for cocaine or something, and me being the list girl I was, I was like, that is awful. I've got to prefer Ryan Moore now. Um, so I obviously respect Frankie Vittori immensely as a jockey, but um, I always, I did love Ryan Moore and um, AP McCoy over jumps, Richard Johnson, uh, Ruby Walsh, all the kind of big names, you know, the ones that wore the distinctive silks and the green and gold of AP. You could always see him in a race. And I think that was why I kind of locked on to following him. And then it, I progressed to kind of appreciating people for their horsemanship and that kind of thing. What about horses? Oh, well, I don't really have like... I was probably watching racing at the time, but I don't really have any distinctive memories of like Cottage Star, Denman, Frankel. They'd have been on the telly when I was there, but I don't really have the same memory of that as other people because um, I am only 18. But uh, like I think when Frankel retired, I was probably like, I don't know, eight? No, maybe not. Maybe younger. I don't know. When did he retire? Was he 2000 and- 12 I think, I think. yeah yeah he yeah. just before my eighth birthday that I was I, I was a little bit too young to fully appreciate Frankel but someone reposted um Don Cossack's gold cup recently and I watched that and thought you know what these horses are all the ones that are responsible for my love of the sport in the years previously as they kind of rose rose through the ranks to be running in a gold cup like Smad Place was one of my all-time favorites there's a picture of him over my shoulder um he was just I love a front runner and he was such an eye-catching horse and um, his Hennessy win was 
incredible Irish Cavalier. I've got a hand-drawn picture of him up on my wall as well in my bedroom from when he won the Charlie Hall. Um, John Cossack himself, a gorgeous horse. Um, Carlingford Lock. I think Sub Lieutenant might have been in there. Um, there was the uh, Graham Wiley horse as well. So, um, you know, it's that was the race that probably had all a cue card. I've forgotten cue card. How can I have forgotten cue card? Um, those are, those horses are the ones that really kind of attached to me to jump racing. And I don't really have many like that. The flat, I will admit. Um, yeah. None, none that I've kind of got attached to just, you know, your enables, that kind of thing. Um, she's obviously a superstar. Um, I remember, um, I think it was the Oaks before her. That was the first time I got into a into a flat race really deeply. Um might have been forever together. Maybe not. And they you know Brian Philly. <laughs> a safe bet, isn't it? Do you remember the, the first time you went racing live? Oh, um not like exactly which one, but we'd always go to Leicester um in the summer and they used to allow you to kind of drive in next to the um I think it's where the chase course is now down the straight where you've got the chase centre that kind of curves away from the flat course but for the summer flat meetings we'd go and we'd park up there we'd have a picnic um granddad and my dad would go off to the bookies and then we'd kind of stay watch the horses have a picnic with family so I've got a lot of really nice memories from that and I remember always thinking how massive Leicester's stands look and I mean they're comparably small to a lot of other places um but thinking oh one day I'll be round there and I'll be looking at the horses in the paddock and all this <laughs> just moving on, on to your career so far you you work for Rain it in racing careers in racing and now the silks magazine can you let listeners know more about them and what you do for them so I started with Rain it in racing when I was just before my 13th birthday I think my mum saw an advert for looking for young writers because it's a website for young people, by young people. Um, I'm not sure how much of a young person audience we actually have. Um, that's more just kind of, you know, racing Twitter people who very kindly read all of our articles and interact with our stuff. Um, but that came about then because I've always been a really avid writer. And then to combine that with racing was like a really, really appealing idea for me. Um, so I've done quite a lot for them. I went, I'd preview every Saturday race for I don't actually know how I found the time to do it uh, while I was at school I used to do every a preview for every single Saturday for all the ITV races um I haven't read them back because they might have just been rubbish but um you know uh, that was the way I started and then I did my first interview which was with Adrian Heskin at Leicester Races in February 2018 um so I was 13 and he was brilliant and I look back on the questions now and I could have asked such better ones but I suppose that's the point isn't it it's like learning and growing and that kind of thing um so I consistently wrote for anything racing like feature pieces interviews mainly previews though um my article should young people get into horse racing is probably one of the most popular to come out of rain and racing um as well as this lovely team of people we had there for a while we've all kind of grown apart with that and everyone's priorities have shifted a little bit um I was the baby of the group and I'm 18 now so we've all we've all kind of grown up and gone to explore different avenues um but careers in racing as well I started with careers in racing in just before COVID I think um we did lockdown 
um, we looked at like the lockdown um, Grand National and um, produced content for that. And then uh, we, I've done quite a lot with them. I think they're a really brilliant site. So I produced whether it's like little articles for their website or um, social media content. And I do, I'm a regular attendee to Warwick's Pony Racing Day, which is in October at their track. Um, that's a great day for getting young people into racing. They hold um, like little workshops with various aspects of the sport. So young people, like one year we had 100 kids and then um, they have pony races in the afternoon, which is great. You know, Billy Lochnan, who's a fabulous jockey and has proved himself to be an excellent apprentice. Um, he's he, even younger than you. He's even younger than me. Yeah. Um, he was riding at one of those that I was at. Um, and I've been at other race courses where he's been pony racing. It's a brilliant setup. Uh, the pony racing authority team are fabulous. Um, and we had a really enjoyable day. Um, I do a lot of kind of takeovers of their Instagram account as well. And um, so I did that. Um, that's what I kind of do at the at Warwick days. Uh, and then I got media accreditation for Doncaster race course for racing league in 2022 in August. And that was the most amazing day. I had access to the press box. We were in the weighing room. Um, I spoke to so many people. We went down to the start. We watched the stalls, chatted to the stalls handlers. I was in the paddock. Um, it was quite a quiet meeting in terms of connections of horses. So I just kind of had a little area of the paddock to myself. And then I'd just move over. I don't know how well the uh, listeners know, um, how well the listeners know Doncaster. But there's like a little... Um, it's like a horseshoe shape, really, where the winner goes into. So I was stood, stood by there taking pictures and posting content online. And it was really great. It was like an insight into what my career could be like in the future. Um, and then Silks Magazine is really recent for me. Yeah, it um, is, isn't it? So what, tell us about Silks Magazine. I think it's an online magazine, isn't it? Yeah, so Silks Magazine is online. Um, it's a subscription magazine. So you pay. Uh, you can maybe get a membership, which has loads of the benefits as well. Or you can just buy individual issues. Um, so it's a bit different for me working with kind of a paywall with my content. Um, normally it's just there for everyone to see. So it's a, it's a bit different for me, um, I must admit. But it's it's interesting to be writing features again because it had kind of gone on the back burner a little bit. Um, but I think it's a really exciting development for racing and it's something that could definitely be really, really popular in the future. Um, I don't quite know what the buy-in to it has been like so far, but you know it's it's something that racing didn't have before, which is kind of an odd thing because you would have thought it did have a magazine. Um, but we've obviously just got the racing post in physical copy, but then online magazine is the future of the print industry anyway. So um, so many people do um, online magazines now, and it was about time racing had one. Wow, I'm exhausted after all that. Uh, <laughs> your your mum's sorry, got, I have rambled, haven't I? <laughs> your mum. It's got a lot to be, you know, she did a great job, your mum, didn't she, by uh, contacting Rainit or putting you in touch with Rainit in racing? She did, yeah. My parents are great. They're very encouraging with what I do. Dad does all the driving around, mum's moral encouragement, cameraman sometimes. Um, so it's, uh, I'm, I'm very lucky to have them both. I've seen you in action at, at Warwick with your mum doing the filming. Uh, when you've interviewed, you that first interview when you were 13, how nervous were you and, and and what did the jockey think you know Adrian Heskin uh, when you were in, being interviewed by a 13 year old I was so nervous honestly my hand was shaking so much I nearly dropped my phone 
um but he's a all-round nice guy so he just answered my questions and um I don't know what he thought I'd been he's probably forgotten all about it um but yeah it's I do enjoy interviewing people um that's a that's a package job because everyone's got such you you find this out with your podcast everyone has such interesting stories and everyone's got a different experience in racing and it's nice to kind of get that conveyed and you've spoken to ollie bell and ed chamberlain as well yes they are honestly two of the nicest people i've ever met in general life um i just out of the i was kind of involved in a twitter thread talking to ollie um one time i think it was I don't know what year it had been, 2019 perhaps? No, 2018. So it was April 2018. And I just kind of went, do you fancy being interviewed by me? And I didn't expect anything. And he goes, yeah, of course. Follows me, messages me. And then that afternoon, we're chatting on the phone. Um, so he he was brilliant and he was so interesting to talk to. And that was my first real, um, like, experience of properly talking to somebody in the industry where I'm not like panicking in person and then I actually went to Warwick a year later and he said um he saw me and he went oh Sam hello how are you like he remembered me and I think that's something that him and Ed are particularly good at like they remembered who I was and I interviewed um Ed in March uh, February or March 2020 um after seeing him at Warwick one time and he he's just so brilliant to talk to and his advice has been like invaluable to, invaluable to me I do follow a lot of the thing, the pieces of advice he's given me um I saw him at the races the other day and it was great to catch up and he he said give me a couple more years in the job and then you can take over <laughs> which made me laugh we do have a joke about that because he knows I'd like to do what he does in the future but I think I'd like to co-host with him though I think that'd be really good <laughs> I know you do lots and lots of studying about the, the racing as well. How do you find the time when you're doing your A-levels and getting ready to go to university? Oh, gosh. I just think it's there's a lot of commitment. And I just, I suppose I take I make the most of all the time I have at school to get all work done that I need to do. Um, and then I have, I just prioritise because a lot of the time, if I do a podcast, it'll be on a Thursday. And I'll know a couple of days in advance so I can um, plan my time if I've got homework or anything and then designate like a couple of hours. Um, I've got, I'm getting faster at going through cards efficiently um, and then just designate that time beforehand to just prep and get all my look at all the races. And then it's just about distributing time carefully. And sometimes I don't know how I do it. <laughs> but so far, touch wood, things are OK. Um, I'm getting the racing have to go on the back burner. I'm thinking probably after after Cheltenham because I've got my A-levels and I need to get the grades to go to university. But in some ways, does it take your mind off your studies at school if you can switch off? It does. It does completely. Um, I like it. It's a good way to socialise with people um, and it's nice to do something completely different. But then at the same time, the skills do really help that I've kind of developed in racing. So, you know, writing, writing articles, we're actually looking at a new type of question in my English language A-level classes at the minute, and that's writing an article. And I'm in a really fortunate position because I do that all the time. So I'm actually finding it much easier than a lot of other people. And um, the similar case, but 10%, well, 5% of my coursework was an article. And 
I managed to put it all together and well yeah five percent of the um a level was an article and I um wrote something just similar to what I do anyway and it scored like I've had very good feedback from it it's looking like it's going to score pretty well um so it's I have the same skills and like talking to people like talking to you and um being kind of confident discussing with other people is also a crucial skill that really does help at school and it has helped in university interviews I'm sure it would uh you also you said in in the conversation today that you've worked on some podcasts you must give a shout out to the podcast that you work for yeah so um yes I see and the starters orders is the main one that I um involved in they are you know they're super they're such a brilliant team and it's nice little like it's a little family really um led by Chris he's brilliant and then Deck and Andy are I just I um hosted a podcast with them both and they're just so funny and they are so knowledgeable and I think a lot of podcasts nowadays get really kind of bogged down in Cheltenham stuff and they want to be talking about anti-post but these guys they do previews for just your normal Saturday races and they're so engaging um and they're so great and like the girls as well um Lauren and Neve they're, they're brilliant people Neve's one of my a very close friend of mine and um, is great as well like the whole team's brilliant um and they've got their Cheltenham preview out on the 12th as well uh, like a little drop-in session where it's going to have loads of different people on with their views on the Cheltenham festival and I've probably forgotten another podcast I do because I've got quite a few um, I just dip in and out of other people's as well um people often ask me and I'm always very grateful for the opportunities and I've done a bit of radio too so you use social media a lot. You've got over five thousand followers now on there. Yeah. Does that um, does that help you engage with? I mean, you often hear of sort of negatives about social media, but obviously, uh, you find it very helpful to your media career. I do, and I think the positives definitely outweigh the negatives because for me, because you know, I wouldn't have found Marina in. Um, I wouldn't have found quite a lot of my friends um, that I know through racing. And yes, sometimes it's bad. Like I've had a range of abuse. And, you know, if you say one tiny thing wrong, it can get very nasty. But then at the same time, and people see that, there is quite a community in combating that and going, you know, that's not actually okay. Um, And I'm very grateful to the people that have stood up for me in the past. It doesn't bother me that much because I am the kind of person that I don't say I make mistakes a lot, like I know, but a lot of the time, if it's like a difference of opinion on something, on a race or that kind of thing, I suppose the example is I tipped Monkfish when he before his novice hurdle, novice chase, sorry, first novice chase at one to two, and I got absolutely slated for it, and people were extremely nasty, but I knew that I'd said in the video tipping him. He's going to be a horse to follow for the season. So I was there going, look, you're all saying this to me, but I'm still confident in my view. Yeah, he's one to two. But if you're looking, he had a sensational season, only got beaten once, one at the Cheltenham Festival. And um, I had that faith in him. And I think I tend to, if I say something about a horse, I tend to believe it. And I tend to stick to my own guns about things. And I'm quite confident in my views. Um, You know, it's, You've just got to, I know a lot of people do take these things to heart, but 
I'm surround. I'm lucky. I'm surrounded by good people away from social media, and that I don't have to worry about that kind of thing. It doesn't matter what a stranger on the internet thinks of me, really. That's a really convoluted response. I'm really sorry. <laughs> and, and we, and you, and and myself get chance to we must shout out for him here to um, be in contact with uh, that former jockey and BBC presenter Richard Pittman, don't we? Yes, I mean that's something that our kind of friendship with him stemmed after my granddad passed away and if I could have told him that I was in regular contact with Richard Pittman he would have been so excited um he was a big they, he was a big fan of Richard's and Richard is brilliant for advice and just a thoroughly really nice person and we're we get on really well and you know he's it's it's incredible to be able to talk to somebody who's got so much experience in the industry is part of so many kind of crucial moments in racing history as well. Obviously, with the Chris Red Rum race, um, everyone knows about that. And the fact he was in it and he we talked to him a lot, it, it's really special. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'd like to ask you about, as someone I think you're from the Generation Z, I had to look this up on the on the computer, uh, how you would, if you had a blank sheet of paper, how you would get more young people going to the races, interested in the races, because that is key to the, you know, the survival, the history of the ongoing history of the sport. It is. And I think, you know, how much I enjoy seeing the history of the sport and exploring that kind of thing. And I think for me, it's education. And I think that's improved like massively in the recent weeks because we have a lot of things in this sport, which is, which are very difficult to understand if you don't know, like the whole culture, I suppose. But you've obviously got like specialist terms, you know, furlong, handicapper, that kind of thing. Um, it takes a lot to understand it, I think. And if people can be put in a position where they can find out about it and they can ask the relevant questions, this is going to come in with like issues like the whip and horse welfare and any fatalities we see on track. People just need to be told like what racing is doing to either combat it or help it. And then hopefully people can make a decision for themselves whether they want to be involved in racing. Because I know a lot of people who like the day out, but they don't really know the ins and outs of the sport. And you can have casual viewers and you can have fans and there's nothing wrong with either of them is there but um i think for the like you say for the future of the sport and like the maintenance of the history and the um appreciation for racehorses you've got to be able to understand what you're watching and what you're dealing with do you think the sport can do that better i think so and i think it's very difficult for racing's messages to actually break out of its little bubble because we are in a little bubble and people don't seek the information and it's very difficult for us to kind of put it out there for the people. Um, but it's like information plaques at the races, information in the race card, that kind of thing, away from like, you know, the just kind of the necessities, the extra things that um, can help um, going into schools, um, going into pony clubs. Um, it's just, I do think there's little things to do, but it's, 
getting young people into racing is such a massive thing and it's something that are far kind of more intelligent and more powerful people than me are looking into and I just wish we could bottle up the feeling that it gives us when we're at the races we've had a winner or we've seen a nice story take place or experienced a thrilling like five fell on sprint or something and you've got that excitement because if people other people could feel that you know they'd be flocking in the millions to racing wouldn't they um but unfortunately it's not as simple as that is it no but you've got some positive signs there and i think all sports are are, are, are faced with the same sort of problems issues to get more young people interested yeah, in those sports absolutely. It's not just horse think, racing. like you say with social media like we're in a really transitional period at the minute i think with the way that kind of culture's changing, um, probably just like in the 20th century so far, um, you could probably even argue 2010 onwards, there's been a massive transformation in social media um, and kind of the access people have to information and that kind of thing. And um, the interest people have with like the rise of like TikTok and Instagram and short videos that people want to see, they want the information fast. They want to be able to see this kind of thing. and I don't think people fully know yet what people really want at the minute and in terms of content and that kind of thing. It is a bit like a trial and error thing, I think, for a lot of people. Um, but, you know, you've got to be out there on those platforms for young people. But, yeah, it's it's a it's a difficult time for especially a sport like racing. Even though we view its history as being so enriching, I think some people are don't want to let go of the history and rightly so but we've got to move with the times and we've got to move with the cultural ideas that are changing with rightly more kind of consideration of welfare and like we've, we've seen it all with the whip lately haven't we um it's it's difficult it's going to be difficult for racing in the future i think right well with people like you about sam i'm sure it can uh attract more younger listeners and and, and viewers uh, and talking about racing you're also riding yourself how's that going yes i do um i ride less than i used to a bit because i um i rode a horse with somebody for a while and then, then she sold him um and then i was working for a yard for five years um but unfortunately they closed so um I'm very lucky to be riding a couple of horses for friends um, and like Woody's the main horse I ride. He's, he has to put up with a lot. He's been in a lot of pictures lately with various kind of uh, like merchandise I've had. Um, and he's had to pose, but he's a, he's a proper poser. He lives with some horses that are um, like are involved in modeling shoots and films and that kind of thing. So it's not, he likes to, he likes to model for me. <laughs> oh, I've seen you on social media riding him. Do, do even on that sort of limited scale does it still give you a more of an appreciation of what it's like to be a jockey when you're 100%. actually riding yourself yeah yeah I think so because I think it's you kind of you can have the appreciation for horses and their kind of how horses need confidence and um horses can have they can have off days too and I think when you ride you notice that more and you can perhaps understand the bad performances of horses uh, whereas other people we see it on social media don't we you know he's useless this this and this with all the um after losing favorites and that kind of thing but it just reinforces you know they're not machines they've all got their own characters it just helps you appreciate them more i think and then 
on the flip side makes it all more difficult when um when we lose one or something like that getting back to cheltenham can you give me a few brief tips now for the for the big races if i just give you straightforward questions like who's going to win the gold cup the champion hurdle and the champion chase you you one word okay. answers, not not half an hour, you know, sort of thing. It's one word answers. Oh, okay. Okay, right. No, you can go a bit longer than that. Yeah. I'll let <laughs> okay. you on. So the Gold Cup. Oh, um, Galapande Champs. So you think he's a worthy favourite? Yeah, race? I do think he's a worthy favourite, but I do think he's a little bit short in the market. Um, But the one I've tipped up at a ridiculous price, as an each way chance, is Royal Pagai. Um, I just think... Venetia Williams is a master and um, he he's always, I think people have always thought an awful lot of him and he could be a little bit forgotten about this year. I suppose um, he will stay, although doesn't he want a bit more rain? Yes, he will want rain. So we're just hoping people need to do their rain dances next week. <laughs> because uh, otherwise we don't want to be running on rattling quick ground at Cheltenham. And the I champion guess. hurdle is, is um, Constitution Hill unbeatable? You see, I love State Man, right? But I do think Constitution Hill will probably win. Um, Nicky Anderson's got such a great record in the race recently, but State Man's versatile, and I don't think there should be such a large discrepancy in the prices between them. And the champion chase? More wide open. Um, I think it's more of a difficult race to work out. But um, sentimentally, Editor Dajit, I'd love to see him win. His owner's been really poorly. I'd love to see Nubay Negra win. I think he's a ridiculous price. Um, and he's going to he's gonna be fresh. And if we don't get the rain, he's one that doesn't want the rain dance. Um, I think he's he's been forgotten about. So those at the top of the market, you know, they've, they've underperformed last time. Or Edward Stone ran a bit of a weird race. I don't think we can really say he underperformed. Um, it's a difficult one. I'll be interested to see who gets declared. And one to look out for, and uh, I'm expecting you to say Flooring Porter, but there uh, might be others. <laughs> yes, uh, Flooring Porter. I've, we've had very positive things about him recently. Um, but it's, oh, I really hope he get, runs well. Um, all this talking about, they might have to do different tactics or something like that. Just keep it simple. He's um, He just likes to lead from the front. He loves Cheltenham. I know he's been beaten by home by the Lee, but Cheltenham's a whole different ball game. And then um, there is another one. I am Maximus. Um, he, in the plate on Thursday, um, he's only had eight starts. Um, he's won a Cheltenham bumper before. Um, not the Cheltenham bumper, a Cheltenham bumper. Um, and he has had three different runs, decent runs over fences, if I get my words out. Um and then ran in a grade one at Leopardstown last time when he was perhaps a little bit tentatively handled. But that's one for the handicap on this Thursday for you. And a long way ahead yet, but have you got the Grand National winner on April the 15th? Oh, right. Well, I really love Hill 16 and I'm convinced he is going to be tailor-made for a Grand National. I think he needs 17 to come out, um, but he'd be my main selection. Um, it's just an Irish domination at this stage, isn't it, really? Um, a lot. I think we'll get more clues over Cheltenham week, um, but he'll succeed then in, in the Kim Muir as well. But at this stage, hopefully those 17 come out and um, he'll, be, he'll be my selection. And the future. Exams, of course, with the A-levels. And then 
What's after that? I have a conditional offer to study history at Oxford University. Um, so I need to get my grades and then hopefully I'll be heading to Oxford in um, in October. And then after that, we'll be trying to become a racing journalist officially for somebody. Um, I'd love to present ITV Racing or recently, and I surprised somebody saying this the other day, the chair of the BHA or director of the BHA. Whatever one, you know, you can make the decisions with. That'd be quite an appealing job, maybe one day. <laughs> We've all got our dreams, haven't we? Definitely. And when you're at university, will you still be able to do some of your rein it in and work? Or um, Nobody said no yet, so I'm just going to carry on. <laughs> but, you know, it, I've balanced it with A-levels and um, hopefully I'll be able to do the same for the university too. But I've got my weekend free from lectures and essays and things so yeah we'll see well thank you very much for joining me here on the paddock and pavilion it's been great to speak to you having been on the show so many times but not <laughs> being interviewed yourself uh thank you very much for joining me um on the paddock and the pavilion thank you very much it's been great to be on the show and uh yeah good to be interviewed by you i suppose thank you <laughs> Well, hopefully we can get you back again um, doing some interviewing uh, in another show at some point. That'd be brilliant. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the support. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Pad and Pad. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.